So, Ian, Ian, what you're proposing is instead of a heel, we have some uh, sore thumbs. Yeah, something like that. Sore thumbs. Great, I'm uh, happy to have killed the conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Lowering the Rim! Central Indiana, uh, when basketball was a really big deal, kind of just off the tail end of what they call the Purple Rain, where Marion High School won three consecutive championships uh, in what was at the time the largest or second largest high school gym in the country. Second largest high school gym in the country. Yeah. Uh, and so Todd lived just outside of the city in a sort of one of the county school districts. <clears throat> so uh, just for the listeners out there, like, yeah, I grew up in a little town called Gas City, Indiana. You know, Gas City is just outside Marion, literally like, you know, eight, nine miles outside of Marion. We were just a little corn-fed Indiana school in a town of about uh, less than 5,000 people. And Marion was the powerhouse. And so, uh, yeah, they had won three state championships in a row. They had co-mister basketball and Jay Edwards, who would go on to play for IU and Landon Turner. Like, un- unsurmountable, like, no way that we were ever going to beat them. So, no, they, Marion actually never, ever in my life came to play at Miss Cinema because the only time that we would meet would be in sectionals. Over and the here. only way that you would meet at sectionals would be in a large enough gym to be able to accommodate sectionals, which would not be our gym. Yeah, that would have to 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 be Marion's. Yeah, like, and to accommodate know. the Marion fan base. Yes, they were selling out eight thousand seat an eight thousand seat arena with basically season tickets, right? Yeah, basically. You know, so I remember one of my earliest memories would have been uh, the. Uh, Eight, 87, I would have been eight years old, like in, in 1987, when the Indians beat Marion at Bill Green Arena, which was, you know, obviously Marion's home court. And I remember I uh, got a Wendy's Frosty and threw it up like, in, the, in the stands that night. But um, one thing that that was, you know, all of us who grew up in Indiana, like and grew up with high school ball being like a huge part of our childhood, huge part of, you know, play. Like, again, back then, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have, you know, uh, Netflix, anything like that. It was like you basically had your local video store and you had basketball and everyone went, you know, uh, and you you went every Friday. Like, you'd go to the JV game, like, you know, wow. and the varsity game. It was wow. the only entertainment in town, you know, but, uh, but yeah, Hoosiers definitely, you know, that was something that when it came out at the time, everyone was just like, yes, they have made our story. Like, here it is. You know, um, Hollywood's got it all right. Like, that's exactly what it's like. Was there anything uh, Was there anything that they missed? Our big thing, and I don't know if people still do this anymore, like probably not with like, you know, animal rights the way that it is, but our big thing was donkey basketball. Donkey basketball? Yeah. Did you guys ever play donkey basketball? You know, yeah. No, I have no idea. Yeah, once what a year, that is. donkey basketball would be like uh, all of the faculty versus like select student body members, usually seniors, 
and you know they would come and lay uh, like wood down over the normal court, and you would ride donkeys, <laughs> like, like you know, and play on five on five on donkeys, like. You know, talk about <laughs> Hick School. Yeah, this is exactly. What <laughs> was this? Right. Did this precede like Tractor Day or what? Oh yeah, we had Tractor Day. Yeah, for sure. Like you know, don- that went hand in hand with donkey basketball. Would people ride their yeah ride their to tractors school? to school? Yeah, On Tractor Day. Nice. Yeah, Todd, tell us a little bit about just kind of your. I mean, obviously the basketball in the community was big, but what about beyond that? Like, did you follow college or the NBA or? So I came of age sort of at that perfect time right between uh, sort of the the rise of the new NBA, you know, Magic and Bird and and Jordan coming into the league. So uh, I was definitely a heretic in the sense that in my family, everybody was Pistons fans because my mom was from the Detroit area, from Port Huron. And so they were Pistons all the way, not me. Like, um, I was Larry Bird all the way, French Lick, Indiana, you know, (laughs) tall, blonde, white boy. That's my guy. Like, looks like a goof. So at a very young age, I remember reading, like, Larry Bird Drive and just being uh, into Larry and picking the Celtics. So So the Celtics were my NBA team for sure, but obviously... Uh, concurrent with the same time is really some of the height of IU basketball. So I was a huge IU basketball fan. And, and in many ways, like that was really the height of, of Indiana basketball uh, around the, you know, in the, the state in general. Like, you know, it was this Bobby Knight era of 85, 86, 87 Hoosiers. Like, you know, in a lot of ways was the pinnacle of uh our Hoosier basketball universe, because this was pre-Reggie Miller, this was pre-Pacers yeah. really being competitive. They, they were had, still an ABA franchise. You know, they had come out of the of, ABA by that point, but yeah, exactly. They They're, weren't quite integrated into the power structure. Exactly. You know, so if you're if you're a Hoosier, you know, IU basketball is kind of the the yeah. the pinnacle because there's no way that you know uh, that the Pacers are are going to do anything. So, so. Who would you say was was sort of the Hoosier? Was it Alford? It was Alford. Over the course of your life? Over my life, yeah, it was Alford. Represented the ideal. Yeah, and there's still a huge contingency of IU fans who wait with bated breath that he'll come back and coach. Like, you know, he's he's definitely the the anointed one. Are there are there interesting YouTube connections to make here? Okay, so the, to give a little context, because it's it's really unusual connections. So so t- Todd is the ultimate YouTube head, the, the like YouTube the band walking dictionary encyclopedia. So um, some of you guys had put out some questions like who would who is the equivalent of Bono in the in the NBA, and I'm not even sure how you begin to answer that question, but um, <clears throat> Does anything register? Have you met Bono yeah. in person? I have, yeah, two times. Oh, you have? Yeah. I didn't know that. Wow. How, are you taller than him? Yes. Are you? <laughs> yes. Wow. And how tall are you? Um, I am about 5'9". Um, okay. He's 5'5"? Five, five. He's about 5'5", five, 5'6". Five, five, wow. 
Yeah. It's like I, I think it's still sinking in how short. That yeah, it's so short. Like you <laughs> know, that, yeah, it's like a little that, uh, bit taller than my mom. Yeah, it's incredibly short. So. so, is there any is there any other uh, reason why he'd be Muggsy Bugs beside the height, or is it? Strictly I the guess height? strictly the height. I mean, maybe you guys can help me out here. What we need is somebody who is an arrogant, <laughs> over the top height man oh. posturing. Like, oh, for, you know. oh, I know who it is. Then it's Isaiah who? Thomas, the new Isaiah yeah. Thomas. Like the new Isaiah Thomas? The new Isaiah Thomas. Not not oh. your not your old Detroit Pistons Isaiah Thomas, Todd. All right. No, no, no. Okay. Like, yeah, I can see that a little bit. Because he's still, still a talking short, about... Still short, but just he, full of hot air, like full of... Yeah, I think that the difference would be Isaiah Thomas has been a little less successful than you than Bono. But, yeah. I mean, he was... His, his famous line uh, before the Celtics released him or traded him or whatever was... Uh, Y'all better back up the Brinks truck for me. <laughs> oh no! Yeah. Ever since then, he has. The- <laughs> uh, he might be out of the league pretty soon. He really he's has been not- on. He's been on minimum contracts ever yeah. since that statement. His fall yeah. from uh, his his the, the the fall in his stock has been as dramatic as I can remember. Really. Well, I yeah. think that his his story is a little bit telling right now with everything that is going on with the Celtics in terms of just how aggressive Ainge is willing to be. Yeah. Like, and if yeah. we look Thomas at... Thomas Poss- broke his body for that team. Right? He broke his body for that team and what he went through with his sister and her yeah. passing away and going through all that. And Ainge was like, nope, you're gone. Like, he is a yeah. killer. And so, you know, regardless of what people are saying about whether it be Hayward or whether it be, you know, uh, anybody on the the current Celtics roster, if, you know, AD is a chance, there there's blood in the water, I think, with Ainge always. Like, he's he's willing yeah. to... Yeah, to, he's pretty ruthless. Can, to, can we get your opinion on, like, there's a big controversy surrounding that, right, of, like, it, it's related to player empowerment of, yeah. hey, you know... Uh, why do we get mad at these players when they take matters into their own hands? Like Anthony Davis this year demanding a trade from the Pelicans because these organizations will just trade, you know, somebody away at a whim. Like they're not loyal to the player. They they weren't loyal to Isaiah Thomas after he put his body on the line while after his sister's death and all that. What, give us your, your take on, uh, on kind of those, those two differing views, I guess, if you will. Yeah, I mean, I'm of two minds when it comes to player empowerment because I, on one hand, am really happy to see it um, because I like the fact that the players are able to take control of their own careers, that they aren't, uh, you know, subject to these organizations who, like you said, are really, these are just businesses, like, and they see them as uh, just player pieces on the chessboard, like, of their overall plan. At the same time, though, um, I feel like there's the potential that this empowerment is spiraling a bit out of control to the point where you you don't necessarily foster or sustain fan bases. Like now, it is just player. Like you, new this newer generation is just fans of players. Like you know, you're not mm. necessarily a Celtics fan or a Lakers fan. You know, you're a LeBron fan, <clears throat> and you're just gonna follow LeBron. And, you know, in this day and age that has, again, like it's positives that the, the players are are given the, the money that they're entitled and they're able to be in charge of their own destinies. But at the same time, I feel a little bit nostalgic and a little bit sad for the idea. Like we see Nowitzki 
uh, retiring yesterday. Like, you know, and to have a player like that who played his whole career in Dallas and what he meant to that city, you know, and the, the title that he, he did in a bringing and just how special that is. And then when we recently just saw LeBron uh, pass Jordan's uh, scoring record, like people in the stands literally didn't even clap. There yeah. were people booing. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and so to, to see yeah. that, yeah. it both yeah. takes away from LeBron's accomplishment because it's an incredible accomplishment, but it, you know, because he was, you know, obviously not with the Lakers, he's not with the Lakers, he's with LeBron. Like, I don't blame the, the fans for being upset about it. So, yeah, I don't know. That's a yeah. really long-winded way of saying I'm of, I, of two minds. I was, so th- there's a price to pay, right? Yeah. No, there's absolutely a price to pay. I, I was wondering about the, like, the pri- like what you're bringing up, Nick, the price to pay for a player that they may not know, they may not, may not realize in the moment. Yeah. And it, it's this idea of, like, kind of being, like, when you're out of the league, or, or is there a sense of homelessness? Yeah, you know, like you don't, you actually don't have a, a franchise really, um, and and where that may, you know, be like even though maybe you may make money in the moment by kind of having player mobility, you see a lot of these guys who stick with organizations post career. I mean, I think of yeah. like Sean Elliott is doing color commentating for San Antonio. Dominique Wilkins is working with the Hawks. Um, even Magic Johnson. I mean, yeah. Ma- even though he just, oops, even though he just resigned. I mean, Magic Johnson is always going to have some seat at the table at the Lakers. Well, right? He might have not, maybe not anymore. And oh, uh, he will. There's, there's no way. I mean, that he's, is going to bring up a yes. good transition, and maybe we can talk about that. You know, well, when you're done about. I mean, the the news breaking today about yeah. Magic retiring. Uh, yeah. But before we get to that, I just I, I I would say that as I've been comparing like the way that Dirk has been celebrated, the people that showed up. Yeah. For his ceremony at the end of your career, do you want to be a guy like LeBron who's been in three or four cities with? Yeah. I mean, even if he gets five rings, or do you want to be Dirk, who's been in one city, yeah. and is yeah. universally admired and adored? Oh, well, we have we have an even more direct comparison in Wade and yeah. and Dirk now at the exact yeah. same time, and just kind of, you know, even though Wade he was primarily home, Miami, like and and came home, like there's a little bit of caniness there. But when I I I look at the Wade celebrations and sort of the Wade show that yeah, it's been like yeah. uh like purists <clears throat> they love Dirk. I mean they, yeah. they yeah. just there are no two sides to that argument, right? Yeah. That's yeah. really rare. Well in well, Wade, when you when you hear comments from people like Kevin Durant that say, you know, I thought a, a championship would fulfill me and it didn't, it makes yeah. you wonder if maybe, you know, the the sort of uh qualities and accomplishments you guys are talking about in the in the longer in the long term are more fulfilling than just winning titles yeah i think ian had a really good word for it of you know either having a home or being homeless and that sense of homelessness seems to be i mean kd doesn't seem committed to the place that's given him his some of the best experiences or what should have been the best experience of his life right yeah i mean he doesn't feel at home there yeah. Doesn't yeah. seem happy. Um, yeah. The, so the other thing I was going to say, like the Dwayne Wade one's an interesting one because I think in hindsight, uh, everybody involved would have preferred Dwayne Wade not leaving, right? I mean, that just looked like a mistake to go to Chicago and then he went to Cleveland and then just came back. Um, 
you know, and I don't think he wanted to. I think if the money would have been right in the beginning, he never would have left. But LeBron's an interesting one because, in a sense, LeBron does have a home in Ohio because of his particular circumstance. But, like, somebody like Jimmy Butler would be a great example. Because Jimmy Butler is a good player. I mean, he could potentially be a part of a championship team, depending on where he he lands. But so far, his career has been so checkered, and he's just burning bridges. You know what I mean? It's like Chicago, Minnesota, Philadelphia. He may not end up staying with Philadelphia. You know, and you wonder what is the residual effect of rather than just committing to a place and and um, you know and kind of making a, a legacy that outlasts your um, you know, whatever, even some of your, the salary that you can make um, during the lifetime of your career. I don't know. Haven't they done studies that, that show that your life doesn't get any better after you hit 300,000 or something? Yeah, well, it's it's a, depending or on, it, it depends on where you live. It's like yeah. in some places in the country, it's 75,000, like depending yeah. on what the, the gross income is. But I mean, the fact of the matter is the league is aware of this. And this is a systemic problem that goes beyond basketball. Like this is a problem that kind of is uh, systemic in in all walks of life and technology and the way that social media and technology has sort of bifurcated our social fabrics, you know, and sort of to go, you know, take it uh, <clears throat> back to sort of my w- wishful and whimsical thinking about um, – high school basketball or IU basketball. It was like that community, that idea that you'd go yeah. to the barbershop and it's like, oh, free haircut if the Indians win, you know, oh, on really? Saturday and things like that, you know, that, that the town was invested in it, you know, um, because of uh, the bifurcation of, of social media and, and just technology, the way we, we communicate, I think that everyone is a little bit more lonely in their own like mm. head they're lonely and they're mm. lost in their own device and adam silver's aware of this the league is aware of this and has has yeah. talked you know about how they are concerned that their players have more money and more power and more influence than ever but seem to not be forming team bonds and relationships you know look at the celtics you know this yeah. what is going on like you know obviously you know Kyrie's not the leader that he thinks he yeah. is, but uh, you know, uh, yeah, it is. It's. I think it, it's something that is clear in basketball because of their presence, maybe on uh, Instagram and Twitter and social media. But it's something that goes beyond basketball that you know, kind of is touching in to yeah. to a lot of aspects of life. It's it's interesting in that people have never been more self conscious about their own brand, their own legacy, mm-hmm. their own persona and they're less happy with all three of those things than ever before right? yeah and it does seem to be a reflection of the life of the average citizen in, yeah. in all those ways um uh, uh, i heard silver's uh beginning to offer um or considering offering like mental health yes for players because depression has been such a consuming issue for the league. Team building is down. Guys don't hang out in the road. And when they do, they're playing Fortnite. They're not playing cards or going out to clubs or whatever. Yep. Or places where they can hear each other talk anyway, those kind of, um, but yeah. Yeah. You see a lot of guys, I think now that just sort of, uh, hunker down in their mansions and, you know, they don't really interact with anybody and, you know, a variety of players, um, 
like Kevin Love and a few others have come out and you know uh, talked openly about yeah. you know the the their struggles with depression and you know how isolating. I can't imagine what it, you know if you're with playing with LeBron. How isolating that well, must have you're been. You're brought in to be the solution, yes. and it turns out, and they spend the whole time asking for Minnesota Kev. Yeah, like we thought you were better than this. Yeah. We, ah, it's just, we, yeah, it's horrible. It would, like, it would be hard, and LeBron does not empower people. No, he, and we're seeing and, that, which I hate know, to admit because I'm the LeBron defender in the group. And I, well, I was, just I was ready to be LeBron defender number two tonight. I was told that this was the LeBron hate hour. And I was like, oh no, not with we me. Try to, we try to get it to ninety minutes, but sometimes it's just an hour. Yeah, all right, whatever. <laughs> But but yeah, I mean, it's you you have guys being undermined, and it's a hyper competitive environment where people are not generous with encouragement or empowerment or or anything like that. They're it feels like kind of a dog eat dog situation where yeah. there's no one looking out for your best interest. Hey, I don't know if you guys remember this, but Malink, Malik Monk, who is uh played for the played for Kentucky and went to the Hornets. I don't know if you remember his quote, like they were asking him about what he thinks of the league. And he had this quote about how it's boring. I've got it pulled up here. I'll just read it real quick. Um, he said, he said, it's boring. Boring is good though. Monk said, you fly here, you get to the hotel. You don't do anything until game time. I'm in my hotel room, watching highlights, watching movies, stuff like that. It's just boring. But in the summertime, it's fun because you get to do other stuff and you get, you, you got a little bit of money. You can vacation, go to places, in season is boring, but that's good. So you won't be out getting in trouble, club life, stuff like that. So I thought that was kind of telling because that that was in. Yeah. I mean, he would have been about twenty years old. He came in the league nineteen, twenty years old. Where did you? And find that was that? that was in twenty seventeen. What's up? I said, where did you find that? Oh, it's this just a uh, CBS Sports article. Okay, was it addressing um, sort of a, a broader issue, a, a, a league wide attitude, or? Um. He just, Wasn't it, I think it was a, the life of like a rookie, right? Was what yeah, yeah, at. yeah. I mean, the the title of the article is "Why Hornets Rookie Malik Monk Considers the NBA Life to Be Boring." So oh, I mean, yeah. I mean that is that is the lead that that that, that is concept. The, well, I think what they call the clickbait. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. So the, uh, there was another article this year that had that same sentiment where. It was just talking about how players will, they can almost go from place to place without ever seeing anyone. Yeah. Because they're kind of just sheltered around and they have to keep everything private so that they're not flocked by fans. So they live in this isolation, even though they're super famous. I think, I think you were telling me, Drew, that uh, they were, uh, Shaq was, whatever the show, uh, TNT. Uh, panel that he's on with Ernie and, and uh, Kenny. They were talking about Golden State, and he said, why do you guys keep saying Oakland? We're talking about the Warriors. And they said, Shaq, you didn't know the Warriors played in Oakland? He said, no. <laughs> I just got off the bus and went to the – Yeah. So they don't even know where they're at. Yeah. You know, like they're – yeah, they're just <laughs> Shaq, kind of shepherded. Shaq's shepherded like, Shaq's like wait a minute, I thought we were in Golden to the, State. To, to bring it back to like the kind of rock star, you know, uh, 
comparisons. Like it's the same yeah. sort of thing. <laughs> they get up. And it's like, the Simpsons episode where they, you know the band gets up and says nobody rocks like looks at his hand Springfield. Like they don't even know where they're playing. <laughs> like, or they get up and they say the wrong name. Yeah, exactly. You know, they, they we're not up. in Cleveland. Yeah, we're not in. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, in any kind of. You know, professional sports touring, like things like that. Yeah, the grind does have to be like, yeah, I didn't know that they played in Oakland. I just get off the bus. I don't, you know, I have no idea. But you, obviously, idealistically, we like to think in the past, no, they would have actually like gone out and, you know. Uh, I think there's something to that, though. Yeah. I mean, I, I think in, I, I think Simmons has talked about this um, in one of the early books he, he wrote on basketball. And I was paying attention just because he was talking about the Pistons, that sort of. I'm a, just a total homer. I've got a pretty yeah. narrow scope in my NBA interest sometimes, but just about bad when, boys or die. Well, the <laughs> they died. <sad>. Yeah, <laughs> but the uh, the the culture they were able to develop, um, and the way that they built a team around co- kind of an ethos rather than just purely accumulating talent. They found guys who were willing to sacrifice physically, mentally. And kind of lock in, yeah. And and traded Adrian Dantley, who's I think one of the top twenty-five scores in NBA history, and was but considered by some to be the best player on the team. They dumped him for Mark Aguirre, and that's what that's when they took off. Hmm. That that's when they well that's when they took it to the next level. Yeah. Um, so these kind of counterintuitive personnel moves and cultural attitudes that result in championships so i think he was trying to diagnose some some of that and it's been a while but uh yeah i I think there is something to it and there's a lot more happening today that's capable of interfering with that right yeah well i mean maybe this is is a sort of good transition into you know talking about that bad boy area era of the the pistons you know think about that showtime era of the lakers and Mm -hmm. clearly player empowerment isn't necessarily limited to players. What about what's happened with Magic today? Like, and does that have anything to do with, you know, maybe skewed expectations, even like on Mm. uh, GM president ownership's part now? Like, you know, that is everyone spoiled. We can easily say, oh no, it's just the young guys now, like, you know, that are spoiled and, and, you know, have expectations. one of the most revered players in the history yeah. of the game, like, you know, that everyone would say, oh, toughness and perseverance, like, you know, is the hallmark of magic. And then he just bows out today. Yeah. So one of the one of the prominent theories about what happened is just magic is a quitter. Yes. <laughs> which, <laughs> so, which I laughed at when I first heard it. And then Todd was saying, well, he coached and he quit when that got difficult. He went on TV and he quit when that got difficult. And then he became, so maybe basketball... Playing the game was so easy that he never had to quit. Yeah, that, I mean, who, but who knows what would have happened had he toy had, had he been playing in in Utah yeah. or New Orleans or yeah. you know, yeah. Well, or maybe it was just fun to him. It sounded like what he was saying is this job isn't fun for sure. No, yeah. and, and I'm not necessarily. I'm not. I just think it's a funny theory yeah. that actually is a little too defensible. You know, it's a <laughs> yeah. Little, it's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's, it's hard to be motivated when you're a billionaire, right? It is. I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't yeah. be motivated. Well, like, yeah. I would just be like, are you kidding me? I'm sleeping I'm in. Johnson. Yeah. Like, you know, this um, can't improve my status yeah. or my wealth. Or, yeah. Um, and I'm not good at it. I've traded away like a whole all-star team for, you know, the, the 2021 all-star team. Yeah. So 
So that's the reporters I've heard. That's what they've been saying is that he just didn't want to put in the work. He wouldn't show up. Hmm. Um, and it's it's a job that requires a lot from the person. Huh? Well, I mean, obviously people need purpose and that uh, outside of the money. And like if he found that, that's great. But being president of operations of the Los Angeles Lakers is not being like you know, uh, the grand marshal in the Macy's day parade. Like you don't just like get on the float and wave and be like, adore me, adore me fans. Like, you know, I think magic wants to be loved and has been loved his whole like kind of life in LA. And it's like, Oh, this is just another way for me to be connected to championships or to like be connected to LeBron and to, to further increase my legacy. And when it became clear that no, there's actual work involved and like things, might be a little bit yeah, harder than bad. yeah. At the end of the, the end of the yeah. season is just a bummer. Oh, maybe it's transition time. <laughs> one like one more topic. I you know uh, that I kind of wanted to talk about. Well, I'm here since I don't get to talk basketball with most people because uh, I work for an IT and marketing firm and nobody watches. Uh, uh, MVP, <laughs> MVP, yeah. MVP. Yeah. Like we're here. We're getting ready for for playoffs, but it's MVP. I think voting opened. Yeah, today those guys are turning their ballots in today. We're yeah. recording. Okay. Yeah, yeah. This so. we're recording this on what's April tenth. What's the so. vibe, uh, Ian and Drew? You guys have probably been following uh, the headlines with this. Is, is is there a front runner? For a long time, it was Harden, and then Giannis made a surge. If I had to guess, I think Giannis is going to win. Um, I know that it it seems like him and Harden are pretty neck and neck. The one. Me personally, the one separation is is that um, Giannis is also a legitimate candidate for Defensive Player yeah. of the Year. Yeah. Mm, okay. Um, I don't think he'll actually win Defensive Player of the Year, but he'll probably be in the top three. Whereas, you know, that's just not part of Harden's game. So the fact that he's doing it on both ends of the court, I would lean toward Giannis. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, that's that's a little bit of what I've been hearing as well. Is okay. that it does seem like the wins are in Giannis's favor right now, um, which yeah, I yeah that is well. Yeah, I think his I team think has that, the best record. Yeah, the, well, the, yeah, uh, the wins and the wins. <laughs> uh, like uh, I, I just think that the media loves to anoint like the new king and i think that everyone is sort of feeling that with Giannis right he now he has that sort of charisma yeah. he has that sort of gravitas yeah. that harden doesn't quite have doesn't right? you know and it's unfortunate for harden but harden is not everyone loves watching houston play let's just face it like it is a little bit like of uh you know how many times can i get to the line you know like yeah. how many books it, yeah. it doesn't have the dynamism that Giannis does and in many ways Giannis put Milwaukee on his back yeah like you know and Milwaukee's really uh one of the stories of the year in terms of like you know their their wins what 60 wins like you know so and Giannis has the like he passes the eye test for the new king right yes He's, he's just yeah physically imposing he's 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 physically imposing he's everything that I mean, he is like this kind of magical combination between LeBron and Shaq. Like, you know, but he can run. Yeah, it just yeah, he's a, he's a he's a physical specimen, kind of like no other. And I just think I I don't know. Uh, we'll see. It. I think it's going to be close, but I just I think that the 
the feeling in the air that I get is that slight advantage for for Giannis. Any other thoughts on your guys' part? Uh, Ian? You know, something I thought, so I, just real quick, because I'm going to switch gears here, but I would say Giannis. I, I'd be surprised if Harden won for the same reasons that you guys all mentioned. I mean, I think the wins, the um, – the the being dominant on both ends, um, I think he's putting up crazy stats too. So, um, and I think it's just you know people like the new thing, and and Giannis is kind of the new thing, whereas Harden won before. But you know what's what's interesting about the Giannis thing to me, and, and watching kind of his game evolve, and you see him shooting more threes, and he's kind of getting more confident with his threes. His free throw percentage is going up. Um, I look at Ben Simmons and I go, Ben Simmons, where are you at? Like your his his ability to score doesn't look like it's gotten any better from last year. And I mean, just all his inside moves and I mean, Ben Simmons obviously isn't as athletic as Giannis, but he's not far off. I mean, he's six. He's a six ten point guard, you know, who can push the ball and can drive and dunk. And uh, I'm just kind of going like, man, what, how come you haven't taken a leap this next year? You know, I, I think he could be close to Giannis's close, close to playing Giannis's game. You know, it's interesting though. Like who, who takes a leap and who doesn't like, and who you suspect like, Oh, definitely. Like this is the year Ben Simmons is going to take a leap. Like it's going to happen. And then boom, like it just doesn't like, there's no predicting that, I guess, you know, if you, if you could, then, you know, you'd be being paid millions of dollars from a front office, like, you know, to know, but, um, you know, the eye test is not for all the advanced metrics and all of like, you know, that we have, there's just no telling like who, you know, yeah, is, is going to, level up and who's just gonna kind of stay where they are or plateau yeah uh where where uh ian you said you were gonna head to uh, take this in, a, in another direction well that was it i mean i just okay. where is where is ben well, i kind of sabotaged because we were kind of i, I kind of sabotaged your show <laughs> no, no with the with the yeah yeah you're right i was just thinking of that as sort of a tail end on the mvp conversation okay yeah no uh, yeah, I just I didn't I didn't know if we were gonna get if you guys wanted to to start railing on Ben Simmons and <laughs> if if Ben here let me just say this if Ben Simmons is in Space Jam two and Giannis turned it down so that he could work on his game and Ben Shim, Simmons shot does not get any better next year I'm gonna be very disappointed. Is that what happened? Uh, Giannis turned down Space Jam two yeah because he said he didn't want to. Uh, he didn't didn't want to take away from his summer training regimen. Oh, I love it. I love it. That's yes. great. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. He has some quote. He has some quote about how like, hey, I'm not trying to be Hollywood. I just want to be me and, uh, you know, play my game. So some some something in that kind of realm, uh, which is which is an interesting kind of. Uh, it is for someone for someone like myself. It feels a bit like a shot at LeBron. <laughs> <laughs> No, I think I, I think it uh, I mean, it may be, um, but it's just kind of old fashioned. You know, that's how people yeah. used to be. Yeah. And if you're Milwaukee, that's what you want to hear because that sounds like a guy who might be content to play out his career in Milwaukee, Milwaukee. this think, crummy little industrial city. And think North about North. where Giannis was 
four years ago. Yeah. You know, think about like how meteoric this rise, you know, has sort of been for him. And it sounds like he has a good head on his shoulders and hopefully good people who are like, hey, careful about this. Like, you don't want to turn Hollywood. You don't want to, you know. Yeah, there's, there's lots uh, of sort of uh, cautionary tales out there mm-hmm. right now for him. So, uh, yeah. yeah. So um, maybe moving on from this, just one other thing, just quickly. Uh, rookie of the year. Thoughts? We're yeah, at, would it be, uh, has, has, has Young overtaken uh, Luca? Yeah, That's it's the kind great of, debate you wonder if it's you wonder if it's kind of prisoner of the moment, right? Because Young has looked better at the end of the season than and Luca than came Luka. out guns blazing, and it just yeah. became he slumped a little bit though. He did, he did, you know, and uh, you know, Young has 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 come on strong here at the end, but I'm sticking with Luca. I'm sorry, I'm sticking with Luca. Right, like, I think you're you gonna know. have some agreement yeah. here. Yeah, I I think Luca is gonna have the better career. I mean, because of the way that he came out. And Luca's slump coincided with the Mavericks trade, which was basically like, yeah, we're not going to try to make this. We're not going to try to do anything this year. You know, we're, we're, we're setting up for next year. I, I would just add, there's part of me that it's a little bit sad that Dirk is, is gone. It's obviously time. Like he is yeah, essentially like, uh, you know, hobbling down the court, but I really would have liked to have seen him have some more time with Luca. Like, you know, just developmental wise. I it think it seems that, like that, he'll still be around. Yeah. Right? You know, but I think that that is like a cool, uh, mentor mentee ship like there. Well, gentlemen, yeah, it was much fun. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. yeah thanks, thanks for, for the time. Yeah. Thanks for coming, Todd. Yep. Yeah, it's been it's good stuff. Um, just, you know, sleep on that LeBron haterade tonight. Maybe you wake <laughs> up different perspective tomorrow. <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of Lowering the Rim. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Lowering the Rim. And feel free to email us your fan questions. LoweringTheRim at gmail.com. We'll see you next time.